Thanks for taking a walk with me and checking out the retail gems down the street, around the corner, and in our own backyards in the Store Next Door podcast, where each show we talk to owners, managers, and employees of some of the coolest bookstores around. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning novels Outside In and The Investment Club. This podcast is brought to you by Rarebird Books, based in Los Angeles, a publisher of 50-plus books per year, distributed worldwide by PTW. Today, I'm here with Drew Cohen from Writer's Block in Las Vegas. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for joining us on The Store Next Door. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. So, you know, I lived in Las Vegas. My book, The Investment Club, was was set, uh, my last book was set there. So I'm pretty familiar with downtown and been in your store many times. You know, but why don't you, for our listeners, why don't you describe, tell us a little bit about Writer's Block. You know, what makes your store unique and sets you apart from other stores? Sure. Yeah, of course. So, well, we're actually the only indie bookstore in our market. We're the only independent bookstore in Southern Nevada. So that's where we start. So it's uh, the city hasn't necessarily had the best history with supporting independent bookstores. Um, so we're trying to uh, to change that. It's a, It's a large and booming city. So there's definitely the population here to serve the bookstore. And in terms of what we do a little differently, we're, we put a lot of emphasis on, on presentation. Like we love the glitziness of Vegas um, and even its, its blatant artificiality can be really charming. So we try to bring a lot of that into the store. So to that end, we have a permanent fake or artificial bird sanctuary that's incorporated into the store. So there are, there are artificial birds in the rafters that you can actually adopt for a fee and they come with a biography card. We also have a fictitious museum exhibition installed in the store that has a, it's a, it's a history of literature and literacy from antiquity to the present, but it's mostly made up. So we do these kinds of like big kind of set PC elements like we were inspired by the lines you wait on at disney world like that was kind of our design kind of uh inspiration so a lot of emphasis on the presentation we even repackage a lot of the stuff we sell um to fit into our brand um so that, that's like what's unique about our store as a store yeah and i remember from being in one of the the parts that i remember the most is kind of in the back and you have that section where there's um where you, you can kind of set different areas off kind of in almost like pod section right to use yeah, for different yeah. different purposes talk a little bit about that i thought that was really cool sure yes that's definitely that's the other big pillar um of our store and of, of our model we do free creative writing classes in the back of our store and those are for ages 5 through 18 we also do field trips for the public schools so we have an entire back space that's about the same size as the store itself once over and it is sectioned off. We have it set up with panels hanging from rafters, and you can move those panels around in order to create impromptu workstations or cubicles. Um, so that's that's something we offer uh, those classes. That is um, a few times a week, every week, and then the field trips are a staple of the school school year. We also do events. So we have book clubs writers meetup groups, book signings, readings, the kind of stuff that you expect from a local bookstore. We deploy all of those in the same space as those creative writing classes. Well, I was checking out some of those events on, on your website. And, and for the listeners, why don't you go ahead and give us your website so people, if you're listening along and 
and want to check this out while while we're talking, you can you can read some of this stuff or mark it down to check out later. Yeah, totally. Thanks. Um, yeah, we're we are thewritersblock.org. So there's a the in there, thewritersblock.org. All of our events are listed there, and those are all ages for the most part. And then our creative writing classes are also on the site. They're in a separate section of the website, and those are just for ages 5 through 18 and are totally free. Yeah, you know, and you said you host uh, events like many other stores, but, you know, I happen to notice one event on there isn't like one I attended to, this bourbon book club event where you got a book club uh, paired with a bourbon tasting. That's a pretty unique yeah. idea. What, what prompted that one? We, what prompted it was that we found that men were not coming to our book clubs. Um, and this is like, you know, I'm being very stereotypical here in my, uh, my gender for classifications, but we, we men were not coming to the book clubs we were hosting. So we thought it would be funny and, and maybe appealing if we did a book club that was based around choosing books that are, quote, masculine. I mean, you know, Hemingway type stuff, Cormac McCarthy, um, things that fall within that spectrum. And if we paired it with a bourbon, you know, we thought we'd get guys to come. And to some extent, we were right. We got, <clears throat> excuse me, more men coming to this book club. It's still mostly women, <laughs> but uh, but everyone has a good time with it. It's a fun club. And we've, we've branched it out over time and have started to pick books that don't necessarily fall into that classification. We even read Valley of the Dolls for that, like so, which is mm. possibly the least masculine book I can imagine. Um so we've had fun with the concept, but it's popular, um, and we we kind of developed some other book clubs out of that idea because people really took to it. So um, we try to we have a lot of themed book clubs. We have we have an international lit book club where we read all fiction published outside the U.S. originally. So people, you know, people really are attracted to book clubs that have a consistent theme. Yeah, and you know, speaking of events, not just in your store, you're a little under a month away from life is beautiful. And, and for listeners that aren't familiar with life is beautiful. It's a really unique music festival that happens once a year in September in downtown Vegas. And it's a unique because very rarely do you get to go to a music festival that size that's in the infrastructure of a city and where writer's block is, is I think you're just outside the footprint of that. Is that correct? We're actually in it. No, we've been in it uh, the last okay. two years. This will be our third year inside the festival. So what kind of what kind of events or what kind of things do you do to kind of pair with, you know, obviously it's a, a music theme, but I know in the past they've done a lot with local chefs and it's really, you know, celebrating life and creativity. And, you know, how do you bring um, the spirit of what you're doing in with the festival? So we we have trouble cracking that code, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, so we've tried to do some literary themed events in the past during the festival, but it isn't necessarily like the crowd of people who want to really settle in for some poetry readings or book signings or anything. Um, so this year, we're actually trying something pretty different. We're going to be working with the festival to host mixology classes. And so those will be, um, you'll make a reservation in advance to come to one of these, but we're turning our education space into a, uh, a lab where you can work with a mixologist who will demonstrate different um, drink 
concocting techniques. Um, and so we'll be doing that all three days during the festival. It's uh, not not the most like literary themed thing, but it's uh, we think it's probably going to be a good fit while the festival is happening. Well, you know, most writers and alcohol have a very um, strong relationship. So I, you know, I don't that's think you're that that far off with things. Um, that's a good. And point. you know, you touched about, uh, you touch on the education part, which is something that I really picked up on from from your store. And if you again, you look at the the website, which again for listeners is thewritersblock.org, and this codex. You know, I think you touched on it and the, the free writing programs that you're offering for students and families and, and teachers. Um, and this is open to all ages. So Codex is actually th- those creative writing classes are just for ages five through 18. But we do have other activities for adults and people over 18. So all of our book clubs, for example, we also host biweekly writers meetup groups. So those are those are available to anyone. We even will sometimes have high schoolers join those when they're precocious. We also pair off with a with the local Nano Remo chapter, which some of your listeners might be familiar with that. But Nano Remo is an abbreviation of National Novel Writing Month, and so that's in November and. The goal is to produce an entire 60,000 word or so first draft of a novel during November. And so we'll, we'll host the chapter of that group here, and they'll, they'll work in our space and do some of their, their writing time here and also do some, uh, some critiquing and exchange. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. You know, the hardest thing to get as a writer is good, good feedback and critique. So that that's, part of it is is so important i always use the analogy that a writer is like a musician that plays to an empty room every night and you just don't get any feedback so to bring people together that can offer that i think is, is such a benefit to anyone that wants to develop as as a writer and the the local vegas author community as i said you know i i was part of that for a few years while i was doing the research and writing for my book, The Investment Club, which is which is set right downtown and kind of down the street is where most of the action happens at the El Cortez um, Casino and there at Container Park. I have some scenes in the Western Hotel I kind of repurposed for for some things. And, you know, I just really felt downtown, you know, the spirit and just the creativity was 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 such a, a, a uh, bonus to me. Um, what's the Vegas writer community like? It's a weird hodgepodge, but I think it's an exciting one. We uh, we have a really close relationship with the university here. Um, it's the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They have an excellent creative writing program, and they're also they host a literary endowment called the Black Mountain Institute. And Black Mountain Institute will host between six and nine writers every year and provide them with housing and a stipend. It's a full residency or fellowship program. And they work out of Vegas on a project that they're developing at that time. Um, So even this year, they've got, for example, Leslie Hazleton, who uh, has written about, you know, she's written uh, popular theology books um, with Riverhead, The First Muslim, and uh, let's see, I'm blanking on the name of her other book. But um, so she's she's going to be here this semester. Um, they've had Dave Morris, the author of uh, um, 
gosh, I'm completely bungling all these names of these people's books. <laughs> um, he wrote a, a really uh, a celebrated book about um, post-traumatic stress disorder that came out about two years ago with Mariner. So uh, th- it's a really exciting program. We get to meet with those authors a lot. And then a really crucial significance, Black Mountain Institute recently acquired The Believer magazine, uh, which is a, a bi-monthly nonfiction literary periodical, and that's going to be published right here out of Vegas going forward. The first issue just came out a little less than a month ago, so we're really stoked. There's a lot of programming happening here in Vegas, um, and we're seeing a lot of outreach from the campus, staging events off campus, bringing these authors out into the public. So that's a really big part of the literary scene here. And then, of course, you also just have local authors who, you know, live everywhere, um, and you're always surprised to find them, you know, come out of the woodwork. Um, you know, we have a, a, a new publishing house here called Imperfect Books. Um, that's almost all Vegas-based authors. A lot of uh, mystery novels, a lot of genre fiction. We're really excited to see what they're doing. Um, and we also have a pretty great university press here. So there's a good, uh, well, it's technically based up in Reno, but the University of Nevada Press puts out some really good local interest titles every year. Yeah, and if, you know, people that, I think it's, you know, for about 40 million people visit Vegas every year and and people are always like well you know it's such a huge entertainment market and and that's true but it it's also a very tough um entertainment market you know i talked to a lot of musicians when i was there who said you know it's just there's a lot of competition you know um when when people come to town even if they plan uh you know events to do vegas so easily um derails what what you have planned you know and i'm sure you know, you run into some of some of that as well. And, you know, what are some of the things you try to do to maybe cut through that noise or build upon it or try to, you know, capture some, some of that market? That's a tough question. And uh, I think every bookstore probably struggles with this to some extent. It's like, how do you get people to come to your events? How do you get people to come to a book signing or reading uh, in, in an age of a uh, of entertainment being downloaded directly to your devices at home without you having to leave the house. Um, so, I mean, we try to reach across borders, I guess, to some extent, to put it really broadly um, and maybe a little over dramatically. But, um, you know, one thing we learned early on here is we can't survive in Vegas by just appealing to one market. We have to really look at the larger scene here. So you can't just focus on the cool hip downtown area. You have to connect with the suburbs as well. You can't just focus on the university scene. You have to look at what people who are not enrolled in, you know, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas are doing. So like just making those connections between all of the disparate writing and reading groups in town, um, that's, that's helped us a lot in getting people to come to things and getting people to support each other here. Yeah, and I, I again I noticed that on your website, and again for the for the listeners, it's thewritersblock.org, where you know you're literally willing to go anywhere. You do a lot of you do offsite book sales, whether it's at schools or conventions or events, and and you'll go there and and sell the books for authors or groups or provide them in advance. And um, you know, are you doing a, are you doing a lot of that? Are you getting some good? I mean, because there's a it's a ton, it's a large convention market, and um, 
you know, a lot of opportunity is, is that something that you're trying to grow or has that been a pretty established part of your business? Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. We have a ton of conventions in Vegas, which I guess makes sense uh, when you're here. But I, when I moved here, it, it didn't occur to me how much that's a part of the industry here on the strip. Um, we do, we do a fair amount of them. It's definitely something I'd love to see grow. Um, it's a, it's a nice supplement to just selling books out of the store. But you know, our focus tends to be on on the store itself and on on local events that are catering to the actual you know Vegas population, as opposed to the people who are flying in and doing events and conferences on the strip. But it's it's definitely something we do some of for sure, and I'm always open to more of it. So another question I had for you, Drew, was you know since you're interacting with book buyers on a daily basis. Um, any new or emerging trends in the marketplace you're seeing, either fiction or nonfiction? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I so partly this is just a side effect of us being very image conscious at the writer's block. As I mentioned earlier, we put a lot of thought into presentation at our store. We want it to look kind of cool and, and almost uh interactive like it's you know we we have a various installations in the store and interactive components and so i find that um readers today i think are becoming increasingly sensitive to the way that books are designed it's one of the things that differentiates uh, a print book from its ebook counterpart is that it's an actual physical object that has all of these really interesting design attributes that are associated with it, you know, how the cover is designed, how the typesetting is uh, is presented inside of the book, and various other subtle details. And so something I notice day to day with people shopping at our store is like they're really interested in books that look beautiful um, and are interesting as books, as physical books. Um, so we, we have a lot of success with those, and I, I see a lot of interest in that. Um, in terms of genres and what people are reading, definitely the the social sciences uh, and the current affairs is huge right now. I think people are trying to uh, make sense of the very uh, contentious world we're in at the moment, the very politically polarized uh, country right now. And so there's a lot of interest in, in just figuring things out. So we see a lot of people shopping for books about identity, politics, social history, they're, they're having their moment for sure. And I, I know that that's the case at other independent bookstores and, and not just ours. You know, you touched on kind of the aesthetic nature of, of, of books and, you know, um, how, how they look and, and drawing people in. But you also touched on there's kind of a tactile tactile component to it and how in in how they're feeling and and you know people you know picking up the books is is that is that a draw for them is that what you're saying totally yeah i mean of course i'm biased i have a book tour and i i like also in privately only read print you know physical books i just don't think that there's quite a replacement for it yet i don't think that any of the the technologies that have come forward to replace print books have all of the same affordances or, or qualities that you look for in a print book i think there's kind of nothing quite like it and i i think that the degree to which it 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 focus it uh it focuses your attention in a way that i i think people are really drawn to these days when you read a book on a, a device that does other things that you can also browse the internet with or watch a movie or stream your music, it's, you know, it's easy to get distracted. 
it's hard to take in all the material. I think you hear the phrase present a lot these days of people talking about the desire to be present. And I think that books give that. I think that they allow you to be very present for the activity of reading in a way that an ebook maybe doesn't. So you touched on the, the online retailers and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get this question a lot um, about, you know, your relationship with online retailers. Uh, do you see them as, as a competitor or more? Do you, do you complement what they're offering and try to focus on, on different needs in the marketplace? I really like how you uh, phrased the last part of that question because yes, <laughs> like that's that's how we look at it. We you can't necessarily compete with like with Amazon.com for example, or well, I mean of course that's what we're talking about. Um, head on the prices that they offer are not attainable to an independent bookstore. We just we we wouldn't be able to sustain business if we sold books at those prices. So instead, you just have to focus on doing what you do well as an independent bookstore and. You know what we do is we offer a degree of uh, you know I know this is a buzzword but uh, but curation I mean we the books in our store are handpicked by the people working in our store um, nothing ends up there arbitrarily it's not an algorithm you know there's there's a human element and there's a surprise to what we have what we carry and then I think also people you earlier mentioned that uh, you thought of you sometimes think of writing. As, as a musician performing to an empty room that it's you're not getting feedback. It's a sort of lonely or isolating activity. Um, and I think that having a bookstore, I think reading can be the same thing. I think reading can be isolating and uh, it's, it's a solitary activity primarily. And uh, I think people like the opportunity to come to a space where they can take an activity they're used to doing alone and experience it socially and meet other people who read and who write. And that's something that, that I don't think an online retailer is able to replicate. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's exactly one of one of the things I love about it is it's really emerging of this introverted and, and extroverted worlds and a bookstore provides a place for for both people to to escape to, but also to come to and and talk about, you know, uh, reading, which is a solitary experience. And when you talk, your passion for books really really comes through um so what got you excited about books and and made you want to choose it as a career well so i always wish i had a better answer to this question because people will somewhat frequently ask how did you come to have a bookstore and work at a bookstore and uh I, it kind of just happened to me i mean i've always been a big reader um i haunted the bookstore in my hometown growing up so I feel comfortable in, in a bookstore and I, I sort of have a, an intuition for how I think they should work and be run, but I wasn't even planning to, to work or to be part of this business. My, my husband opened it or was in the process of opening it uh, a little over four years ago. And we both moved out to Las Vegas um, together to do that. And I was looking for other work and I just, it just, it became irresistible after a while. I kept being drawn into it. And the idea of not being involved in the store and not selecting the books, uh, it just, I caught it. It was like an infection. And so, you know, by the time we, we got deep into it, I was fully on board and, and was a kind of full partner in everything that was happening here. Um, so that, that's sort of how I was sucked into it. I, I wish I had a better answer. Like I, you know, kept like a, 
a vision box under my bed full of bookstore cutouts <laughs> or something. But like, it just, yeah. it, you know, it was just a natural evolution. And I still sometimes wonder how I got here, but here I am. So that's, that's the story there. Yeah. And I think most uh, experiences in life that are really true and meaningful, they, meaningful, they choose you, you don't choose them. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. Um, so this next section we like to call first book, last book. Um, so what's the first book you remember reading on your own and what did it feel like? So that's, if I'm, to be honest, the first like book book I remember reading that isn't just some picture book that I, I don't remember. I, I don't have a lot of memory of reading as a really little kid. So my earliest memory of, a, of buying a book and reading it was Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. And I think I was in second grade and I didn't understand any of it. Like, I, I mean, obviously like second grade is not the appropriate age to read that book. Um, so I, it was just completely lost on me. I brought it to school every day and made like a huge, you know, show of reading it, um, totally hamming it up, but had no idea what was in it. Um, but in a way it kind of, you know, so my first experience of reading books was like incomprehension and confusion, but also mystery. Like if I could crack the book and figure out what was going on in it, I would get something really special. And of course I was inspired to read it by the movie, but at the time I thought there's got to be more than what's in the movie in this book. If I can figure it out, mm -hmm. I'm going to get an experience that's different and like richer than the movie that I was obsessed with. So it, I guess that part of it really has stuck with me is the feeling that, uh, that books have this, this sort of mysterious quality that you can't replicate, that like is only available in a book. So, you know, maybe I'm pulling too much profundity out of trying to read Jurassic Park at second grade, but that's, that's the first book I remember reading. And what about the last, what about the last book? So the last book I actually finished because I'm between a few books right now is A Far Cry from Kensington by Muriel Spark. She's not super popular these days, although they are going to be reissuing some more of her books soon. But she's a, a mid-20th century uh, Scottish-British writer. Um, so Far Cry from Kensington is this very intimate first-person novel, and it's about a woman reminiscing back to her time as a young adult when she lived in Kensington, London, uh, and she worked in publishing. So it's it's really dishy and hilarious, and it has a lot of funny like literary jokes in it or episodes. It it feels written by someone who worked in in literature in publishing. It's super authentic, and what I love about the book is it's just so eccentric in a way. Like she'll break the frame to give advice in first person. So like in the middle of the narrative, she'll talk to the reader about dieting and give her dieting advice, or she'll tell you what you should do if you're looking for work. And it also has some really great advice on writing in it. So it's, it's a fun book. And I, I like definitely am an evangelist for this author for Muriel Spark. And this one's not like her best known, but it's definitely one I'd recommend to, uh, to anyone who likes, uh, who's interested in publishing, but also just wants to have like a fun advice laden British novel to read. Oh, uh, uh, that sounds great, you know, and, and when a person walks into the store, oftentimes they want a recommendation. They feel maybe a little overwhelmed by all the books and I'm sure you get asked all the time, you know, what's good? What, what can I read? And, when you a person comes in and asks you, how do you size them up and, and match them with a book? 
it's a good question. Uh, it's that's like that to me is like the heart of of book selling. It's like it's it's being able to to some extent see books as like a social phenomena and to try to figure out who reads what and why. Like if you can do that, then you can you can sell books. You don't even need to read books. I think to sell them. You need to be able to do this other thing. Um, so I, I I you know. Sometimes you can just sort of tell by like by what a person is drawn to in the store. But I usually like to ask, it's really straightforward, but I'll ask them what they've read that they've liked and I'll try to base recommendations off of that. Or when they can't answer that, it's what have they read that they hated? Because I think if you can get either of those pieces of info, you can usually form some kind of suggestion. And then for me, the big thing is like, is trying to separate myself from the recommendation to some extent. I mean, it's great when I meet someone that I think will like what I like, but it's often more important to realize like, you know, not that not everyone has my taste and to, and to like be aware of, uh, of, of differences in taste and what, what someone realistically is going to want to read and I'm going to recommend them. So I'm not going to recommend Muriel Spark to, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a super, super bro dude looking for like a, a Tom Clancy right. book, like he's going to hate that. So like, it's like the, the trick is just to know what people like and why. And that's great, because I think we've all been in that situation where we we walk in someplace and we ask somebody for a tip and they just tell us tell us what they what they like. And so I think that's great that you actually take that time to kind of separate and and, and try to match the person to to their taste. So going to throw out a last question here and you can take a minute to think about it because it's, it's not, not an easy one, but if you were writing a book about your experience as a bookseller, what do you think the title would be? Oh, that's, that's a really, I wish, okay, that's a good question. And I could probably come up with a lot of answers and some of them would be really snarky and I would have to suppress <laughs> them. Probably something like, like, uh, like there's a category of books that people always steal. Like, like it's like there's certain authors and genres that you. So I would maybe like, uh, I'd refer back to that. So you could like, uh, do, please don't steal Bukowski. That might be my title. <laughs> please don't steal Bukowski. Oh, that that's be, great. That would work. I love that. It gets stolen a lot. <laughs> Nobody tried to steal that title. That's that's Drew Cohen's uh, and, and from, no from the writer's block. Please, we have hit happens too often. <laughs> We're gonna have to lock it up eventually. <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, Drew, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast and and sharing your experiences and sharing the, this piece of your your life with us. Um, any last thoughts or comments you want to share with our listeners about the writer's block? Thanks for having me also. I really appreciate this. And uh, I guess the big thing to say is we're actually, fingers crossed, we're slated to expand early next year, mid or early to mid next year. So definitely keep a lookout if you're in Vegas or passing through. We're going to probably be moving to slightly larger digs sometime around uh, the spring. So I'm really stoked about that. We're going to get to do a lot more than we do now and on a bigger scale. We'll still be downtown uh presumably. So we're not going far, but we're, we're going to do a little upgrading. So I'm, I'm super stoked about that. Well, there you go, people. Uh, don't believe what you're listening, that the bookstore business is dead. You know, it's actually growing and writer's block is looking to expand in the next year. So if you're in Vegas, whether you're passing through or, or you're living in town, make sure to stop by the writer's block, ask for Drew. 
Um, and he might even share some of those snarky titles of his uh, self-titled book seller experience. Uh, um, so if you, if you ask yeah, if him, you, but yeah. yeah, I think we all, we all want to hear those. So uh, any other links, uh, Facebook or Twitter that you want to share with listeners, Drew? Sure. Yeah. So you, all of our social uh, media links are, are on our website as well. If you just go to the writer's block, org on Facebook we are the Writers Block LV. We are also uh, the Writers Block LV on Instagram and on Twitter because I did not consult character limits when I created our names. We are simply Writers Block LV with no the, so it's confusing. But if you go to our website, you'll find uh, the correct links to all of those destinations. That's great. Uh, well, it's time for us to head back home. Thanks once again to Drew Cohen from the Writer's Block in downtown Vegas for coming on the show. And thanks to all of you for taking a stroll with us and visiting the store next door. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning Outside In and the Investment Club. We're brought to you by Rare Bird Books, based in Los Angeles, a publisher of 50-plus books per year and distributed worldwide by PGW. Let that store next door be your gateway to past, present, and future worlds. <laughs>